Welcome to the sermons and teachings from the Catalyst Fellowship with Ipai Michael. We hope the message you're about to listen to will edify you and cause you to experience exponential growth. And now, the message. Alright, so we're going to be continuing a teaching we started, a series titled Locomotive. Locomotive. And what did I say locomotive is? Anybody wants to help me? You can type it. What does it all say? What's a locomotive? A self-propelling vehicle or engine. A self-propelling vehicle or engine. And we've done two teachings already, at least two proper teachings. We've done other teachings in between. Alright, the first teaching we did is how to follow prophecies. How many of you were there? How to follow prophecies. Did it bless you? All right. And then the second was the supply of the spirit. Oh my God. What a teaching that was. I didn't know what was going on in other rooms until people started to send me testimonies of the supply of the spirit of that meeting. You know, a lady called me, you know, one of, one of my daughters here. I just started teaching her also more privately. And she called me and she was like, you see that those last two, about two minutes when we're about to end the meeting. And I said, you know what? God wants to do something. You know, the power of God really touched her so strong. And she started, she had not been, she had not given any word of knowledge before that time. The ones she had tried to do, you know, I heard she was saying that she doesn't know if it's from God or her mind. But this time she heard God clearly. She heard God tell her different things. Remember I said someone's hand and chest was hot. <laughs> she felt it literally. And that was God confirming to her that it was him that was speaking. Are you with me? And me, I had, they had another after meeting from this meeting. But glory to God. Glory to Jesus. Listen, God is said to move. Those two teachings have been wonderful and we're going to continue today. Listen, if you listen to all of these teachings and you are not ready for the new year, a problem. Because these teachings are crafted in a way that they must, they are preparing you for all that God has for you in the new year. Hallelujah. And the move of God in his body is going to happen just like a locomotive. It's going to be self-propelling and it has started. As we enter into 2023, God is saying that he's going to move. And he wants you to be discerning of what he is doing. For many years, you've entered into New Year's normally without discerning what God wants to do in your life and what God wants to do in the local community you're a part of. But listen, God always leads his people. For as long as the Israelites were in the wilderness, they knew where they were going. The, the expectation was that they would arrive at the promised land. Are you getting what I'm saying? God always leads his people. And this is important. He leads us as individuals. He leads us as a gathering of people together, as a church as well. Are you with me? So listen, I'm not just talking about when it's a new year and your church releases a flyer and say, year of breakthrough. Mm -mm. That in itself is important. But beyond that, I'm, te I'm teaching you how to understand and align with those prophecies. Are you getting what I'm saying? But individual prophecies as well as commun commun communal prophecies, what God is saying about a community. And God is always willing to lead us. Lead us in preparing for a new year, in preparing for a season. Is always willing to give direction. 
You know, there's a way that the church of Christ is structured today that, that makes us think small. I, I get what I'm saying. You know, a lot of us don't believe that we can hear God. Only a prophet can hear God. So maybe you were younger and your parents always spoke about going to meet a prophet on a mountain to hear God. But listen, the New Testament teaches us differently. It teaches us that every restriction has been removed. Why? Because God's spirit now dwells inside of every one of us. And so we can hear God. Are you with me? We can hear God. Priesthood has been made common. The gift of the Spirit has been made common. The gift of prophecy has been made common. And like I always ask, can we experience today the gifts of the Spirit like we did in Bible days? Oh, yes, we can. You guys don't seem sure. Can we? Yes, we can. Glory to God. Yes, we can. Because God is always willing to reveal himself. Always willing. And we can see. Say, my eyes see. Say, my ears hear. Say, my eyes see. My ears hear. Say, my discernment is sharpened. Thank you, Jesus. And this is important. God has an ultimate goal. And what is that ultimate goal? That his glory fills the earth. That all men are saved. Open your Bibles with me to 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Salabayado. Zebrafaida kalama. Turwativikaida. 1 Timothy 2, 1. Subradia kabalia debe. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1, it says, First of all, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. In 3, it says, this is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior. Verse 4 tells us a very important thing. Can we read verse 4 together? Everybody, wherever you are, mute your minds and let's read verse 4 together. One, two, go. Who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. So what is God's desire? God's desire is that all men be saved. And to come to the knowledge of truth. Is this, is this clear? You get what I'm saying? God has a plan. His plan is beyond just your neighborhood. <laughs> it's beyond just your neighborhood. So we see a people who are comfortable just living in, in their area, evangelize to one, two people in their lifetime and think they've lived a fulfilled life. God has bigger plans. Are you with me? He has bigger plans. It says that his glory fills the earth like waters the sea. This is important. That everywhere the glory of God fills, the knowledge of the truth of God comes. This talks about both parties. It talks about, it, it talks about those that are unsaved and it talks about correcting the minds of, of those in court who have heard wrong teachings. That the knowledge of the truth of the, of the word of God fills the world. This is God's ultimate plan. And if it is God's ultimate plan, then it becomes our number one priority. 
So the name of the company is Evangelism and Sons. You have to understand God and Sons Evangelism Company because God's plan is also the Sons, the sons plan. I, I get what I'm saying. It's also our plan. If our father has that plan, then it's a family business. <laughs> Are you getting this? That's what he committed to us. So we have to stop thinking just around what we can see, what we can see in front of us, our noses. We have to think further. That in the Old Testament, God calls Abraham and says, look to the sky. As many as the stars are as many children that I'm going to give to you. And Abraham, he didn't expect Abraham to think of this with his own mind. He expected it to think of it through the lens of God. And when God was talking about the children of Abraham, he was talking about the people who will be saved by faith. So now, we and everyone who believes in God by faith is in court a child of Abraham. Those are the people God is talking about. And they are numerous and many more as well. A part of that number. Please, are you following what I'm teaching you? God's desire is that all men are saved. God's desire is that all men are saved. God's desire is that all men are saved. You see this in almost everything God is doing. In the incarnation, you see this, that deity becomes humanity. Why would God have to become a man? Even though God has existed as Trinity since, the, since before time began, we also see the importance of this different division, that you cannot kill God, even though God is the author of salvation, he has to become a man in the incarnation so he can die for us. Are you seeing the, the genius of God? And that now he wants to solve the sin problem. But man is totally depraved. When I, mean, when I say totally depraved, it means man is not capable of good. The mechanism of death and sin already works in man. Man is always tending to evil. So what was God's solution to that? He says, you know what? I can pay for their sins, but this sin, is still, this sin is still going to be there. It's still going to be driving them. So what am I going to do? I'm going to put a new mechanism inside them. I'm not going to make them follow laws that are external. I'm going to write my laws in their hearts. How can I do that? And if the son is going to die, then what happened? I'm spirit. I can live inside every single one of them and begin to cause them to do my statutes. Are you seeing this? It's in the nature of God. Love. Love. Listen, I, I, when I teach about hearing God, there's something I always teach about. That the understanding of love is at the epicenter of theology. What do I mean by that? When you understand God's love, then your theology begins to make sense. You begin to see that most of the things God did, love was at the center. It says, for God so loved the world. Do you see that? You know, 1 John 3, 16 says that, hereby perceive we the love of God, that he gave his life. Are you seeing this? Motivated by love, he gave his life. We begin to understand God this way. All men saved. All men saved. So God has a plan. He has what he said to do. Many of us just need to open our eyes to be able to see the visions of God. He has God-sized visions. He has big visions, that's what I mean. He has different ways he's, he's, going, to, he's going to you know, implement this. We just need to discern that train and tag along. I get what I'm saying. Discern that train. See what God is doing. This is a level of consecration that many believers have to come to. You've been so focused on yourself. 
How about to realize that the life you live now is no longer your own, but for him, but for him who died for you and rose again? You know the you know the apostles were saying in, in I think First Corinthians or Second Corinthians. He says he says we thus judge that the life we live now is no longer our own. Why? He says because someone died for us. So we've come to a conclusion that if one died for us, then all are dead. <laughs> Do you see that? That someone gave us his life, so the life we live is no longer our own. We have to live for him who died for us and rose again. So now this new life you have is not for waste. It's to follow the person who died for you. Are you getting this? It's to follow him who died for you. So now we're not thinking about yourself. Start thinking about consecration in God's plan. Do you know what it means for Abraham to have been called a friend of God? <laughs> it means he was consecrated to God totally. You know, the Bible, God, the Bible says that God said, I trust Abraham. He will command his children and his children after me. Do you know what it means for God to tell a man, stand up, <laughs> pack your load, and begin to go to a city that I will show you. You have to understand. It's not like he told you where, where, where you are going. He just said, pack your load. To a city I will show you. So when where people ask you on the road, they say, where are you going? They say, a city that he will show me. Do you know what that means? To a city he will show me. So you're not thinking about yourself. I don't know, I shout consecration, consecration. This is consecration. That you no longer live for yourself but for Christ. That if God says, up and leave that place, you say, Lord, let's go there. <laughs> that is consecration. That you, you, you want to be trained because you know what God wants to do. You have to understand. Not just yourself. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. L let me go back and continue my note and not move ahead of myself. So I've taught you in the two teachings how to discern prophecies. How to follow prophecies. If you haven't listened to that sermon yet, please go listen to it. But I've taught you how to discern prophecies. How to follow prophecies. How to align yourself with God. Supply of the Spirit. How many of you were shocked at some of the things you heard? I taught you how to discern a supply. How to discern a flow. How to follow that. How to walk in the right seasons and time. One very important thing I taught you in that is that in agriculture, there's something called seasons for growth. So it does not matter what you do. If you plant a crop in a time it is not supposed to thrive, it will surely die. Do you understand? Like, there's nothing you can do to surely die. But if you put little effort in the right season, it will thrive. So it's possible that the problem with what you are doing is that you are not discerning of times. <laughs> there are seasons in God. When you are in the right season, you would suffer. Are you getting it? When you are in the right season, you would suffer. What some people are doing is a hamster's race. How many of you know what I mean? Have you seen a hamster in a wheel? It's running and running, but it's in the same position. Why? You are not in the right season. You are, you are, you are walking against the seasons. But I taught you how to descend seasons. I taught you how grace can speak for you. I taught you how grace can change your life. But there's something I want to teach you today that might just be shocking to you. And it, it is that <laughs> as important as Kairos is, we must also walk and learn to walk in Kronos. I'll say that again. And I'll explain what Kairos and Kronos is. As important as Kairos is, we must also learn to walk in Kronos.
Can you say that again wherever you are? Just say it on where you are. You don't need to unmute your mic. See, as important as Kairos is, we must also learn to walk in Kronos. So what is Kairos? Kairos refers to that right, critical, and opportune time. Opportune time. What I mean by that is, is an alignment to a specific season. So a person can put all of his efforts in something and have little results. And another person in the right season, in Cairo season, can put only 20% of effort and yield maximum result. I get what I'm saying. Kairos is that opportune time. Have you ever heard about people who were not qualified for something but because they were at the right time and at the right place? They got jobs that would change their lives. That's Kairos. That's Kairos. That you might have been laboring in ministry for many years. And one day, the Lord just announces you. Why? Because you are aligned with the season where he wants to make a name for himself. So because you are there, he will make a name for himself with your life. Are you with me? He would announce you just to prove a point. So they had been waiting for a virgin to give birth. And for some reason, Mary, unknowing to her, just because of the plan of God, conceived and gave birth to the Messiah. Such a privilege. Not because she did anything. Are you with me? She saw an angel where people have been praying 70 days to see God. She was just in her house and an angel appeared to her. And then the angel now says that, blessed are you amongst women. You have to understand, blessed are you amongst women and you did nothing. Are you getting what I'm saying? And you did nothing. Opportuned moments. The guy at the pool of Bethesda. There were many people waiting for that pool to be stirred so that they can jump in. Are you getting what I'm saying? But luckily for him, he was sitting at the right position for Jesus to pass and see him and heal him. You have to understand, it's not because his faith was 100. They asked him simple question, what are you doing here? He started to say, you know, nobody helped me. That's not the question they asked you. You have to understand what I'm saying. He didn't do anything. But he was sitting at the right place. That just because God wanted to announce himself, there were plenty widows. But Elijah was sent only to one who was about, do you understand what I'm saying? About to take a last meal and die. This is Kairos. That God can say, you know what? We're green today and just go there. Someone say, ah, I like your trad. And the conversation starts. And he says, do you know what? What do you do? I'm a fashion designer. You know what? I have a contract of three million. Listen, that's Kairos. Opportune time. Opportune time. Precision. Timing. Specific leadings. Are you getting what I'm saying? Specific leadings. Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 16 verse 1. And that's what I've taught you in how to follow prophecies. That's what I've taught you in the supply of the Spirit. Open to Matthew chapter 16, verse 1. The Bible says, The Pharisees also with the Sadducees came and tempting desired him that he would show them a sign from heaven. And he answered and said unto them, When it is evening, you say it will be a fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be a foul weather today, for the sky is red and lowering. He says, Oh, you hypocrites! 
You can descend the face of the sky, but, but can ye not descend the signs of the time? So listen. The Bible talks about signs. Jesus is talking about signs of the times. He's saying they can't descend signs of the times. They can't descend seasons. Are you with me? They can't descend seasons. And as a believer, you have to be able to discern this. Rebecca met Isaac's servant at an opportune time. That you can be at the right place at the right time. You can know when to start something. You can know when to stop it. You can know when to prepare yourself and cook yourself. You can know when to start out ministry. You can know when to stop. You see, Jesus walked with this a lot. In John chapter 7 and verse 1, the Bible says, After these things, Jesus walked in Galilee, for he did not want to walk in Judea, because the Jews sought to kill him. Now the Jews' feast of tabernacles was at hand. And his brothers therefore said to him, Depart from here and go into Judea, that your disciples may see the works that you are doing. For no one does anything in secret, while he himself seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. And in verse 5, the Bible says, For even his brothers did not believe him. Then verse 6, the Bible says, Then Jesus said to them, My time has not yet come. L listen, he, Jesus walked in this a lot. He was conversant of times. He said, my time has not yet come. He says, but your time is always ready. He says, the world cannot hate you, but it hates me, because I testify of it that his works are evil. He says, you go up to this feast, I'm not yet going up to this feast, for my time has not fully come. Listen, there might, some, there might have been some things that Jesus would do that would have made them arresting early before all the things they wanted to say. Do you understand? So you see him walk in time. You see him walk in time. When it was time for them to arrest him, when he finished praying, he says that my persecutors are coming. Did you see that? He discerned times. He knew. So he went to pray. He went to pray. He was discerning of times. Are you following me? John 8, 20, the Bible says, He spoke these words while in the temple courts near the treasury. He says, yet no one sees them because his hour had not yet come. Do you see this? His hour had not yet come. Many times when he does a miracle, he'll tell them, don't tell anybody. How many of you have read, you've read in the Gospels that way? you say, don't tell anybody. Because they might want to make him king. That's not his plan. He waited for the right time. Even to start ministry, he waited for the right time. Are you getting it? He waited. Some things had to happen. He needed to be baptized. He was announced. Do you, you see? According to prophecy, the things happened. He didn't go before. In the wedding at Cana, you know, his mother was going to get him, you know, to do it. He, says, he, he said, he said why, why are you telling me to do this? Don't you know that my time has not yet come? He was discerning of time. Abraham was one man that walked with this. <laughs> he was one man that walked with this. He had prophecy on his side. On his side. Walking on the road, meets men, and knows when to invite them into his house, not knowing they were angels. Are you getting what I'm saying? Some of you people God has sent to you, you've turned them away because you were not discerning. Because you were not discerning. You must be discerning of times. Very discerning of times. If you have waited another year 
Maybe it would have been a different story. So random men, he probably was richer than them. Are you with me? But he called them in, took them as guests. Are you listening to me? This is important. And this is the first part I taught you about in the supply of the Spirit and all of the other teachings I've been doing. But there's a second side to all of this. Remember what I said earlier, that as important as Kairos is, you must also learn to walk in Kronos. So what is Kronos? Kronos is sequential time. Time that can be measured. It's from this word we get chronology. Are you with me? Chronos. Time. Sequential time. This is not opportune moment. This is the everyday part of life. Sequential time. Now listen to me. It would be irresponsible that while you wait for Cairo seasons, you fold your hands and do nothing. Are you getting it? It will be very irresponsible that while you wait for Cairo seasons, you know, you just fold your hands and you're doing nothing. The Bible tells us in Luke chapter 2 and verse 39, it says when they had performed all these things according to the law, they returned to Galilee, their own city, Nazareth, and the child grew and became strong in spirit and filled with wisdom. This was talking about Jesus. Even when it was not his time, the Bible tells us that he grew in wisdom. He grew in wisdom. And the grace of God was upon him. To the extent that his parents were looking at him, they found him in the temple arguing. So you have to understand that even though Jesus was God, he grew in wisdom waiting for the time. Are you getting it? Sequential time is equally as important. Christ was not born omniscient. Are you with me? He grew in wisdom. What I mean by omniscient is all-knowing. No. He grew in wisdom. This is to tell you that in our day on earth today, sequential time is also important. Are you with me? He grew in wisdom. He didn't just fold his hands and wait for his time. He grew in wisdom. And this is very important. And in Jesus, we see an example of what to do when time has not come for you to go. We see an example of what you must do while expecting Kairos moments. The Bible clearly records that Jesus grew in wisdom. He wasn't waiting idle. Meaning he didn't just sit. He prepared. Are you getting it? He prepared. He prepared. Before he was called to ministry, he fasted. He prepared. And that is important. Look at Joseph in Genesis chapter 37 and verse 5. The Bible begins to say, it says, Now Joseph had a dream. And he told it to his brothers. And they hated him more. So he said, please hear this dream which I have dreamed. And they were binding sheaves in the field. He says, then behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright. And indeed, your sheaves stood all around and bowed to my sheep. So listen, by, by, by prophetic instruction, not prophetic instruction, rather, by revelation, Joseph already saw that his brothers would bow down to him. Are, are, you, are you following what I'm saying? He already saw. Supernaturally, he knew where God was taking him to. Are you following? He knew where God was taking him to, supernaturally. He had shown him in dreams that he's going to rule over his brothers. He's going to be raised to a position of leadership. But the events that followed were seemingly contradictory to what God had shown him. 
In fact, it was almost the exact opposite. So God tells you that they will bow down to you, but the first thing that happens to you is that you are sold to slavery. Where is the leadership in slavery? Are you getting it? After sold to slavery, you work so hard, your boss's wife wants to put you in trouble, then you were sent to prison. But go to Genesis chapter 39 and verse 6. The Bible tells us, it says, Thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he did not know what he had except for bread which he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. It came to pass that after these things, his master's wife, casting long eyes upon Joseph, said, Lie with me. But he refused. So you have to understand that Joseph was not yet king. And he didn't say, look at my situation. I'm supposed to be God. And fold his hands. He was diligent in what he was doing already. Are you getting what I'm saying? He was diligent. He was taking care of everything in his master's house. The Bible says his master, his master did not even know what he had except the bread he eats. Do you know what that means? It means that Joseph was managing everything well. He didn't also say, ah, look at my situation. I'm not going to try. No. The Bible says he was good looking. His appearance was right. And now his master's wife says, lie with me. But he refused and says to his master's wife, look, my master does not know what is with me in the house and has committed all that he has in my hand. He says, there's no one greater in this house than I, nor has kept back anything from, he says, nor has he kept back anything from me but you because you are his wife. Do you see what was happening to Joseph in this place? He already had responsibility of taking charge of things. Are you with me? Listen, sometimes you have to be able to take advantage of where you are while you wait for Kairos moments. Begin to take advantage. Begin to be responsible. Begin to be diligent. You know, a good lesson to learn from here is, have you seen people who don't know how to look at the brighter side and always play the victim card. Yes, you were dealt a bad hand when you were young, but don't let that define you. Don't let that define you. I'm going to say some things that are sensitive, but listen, don't let that define you. It's not okay that you were abused when you were younger, but you can't hold that as a reason why you will not be prosperous in what God has asked you to do. Do you understand what I'm saying? Any little thing you become, you feel like a victim. You victimize yourself. You go back into your shell. You blame it for every single thing that has happened to you. No. No. You are in Christ. There's victory. You can come out of that while you expect what, what God has for you. God has told you things about yourself. Don't let sin and condemnation hold you down. Don't let sin and condemnation hold you down. They give you an opportunity to preach. You say, who am I? Who am I? I cannot do it. You know, I'm a sinner. The moment you got saved, you can't say, I'm a sinner saved by grace. You are no more a sinner, just saved by grace. Are you with me? Your identity has changed. Your identity has changed. Joseph did not say, ah, don't give me all these things. Oh, hey, me that I was a slave. Don't be the author of your own downfall. Begin to think differently. Your parents were, were not, you know, um, 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 very wealthy when you were young. That's fine. You survived it. Now, begin to think differently. Begin to look at things differently. Say, I'm not used to, I'm not used to reaching out for help. Oh, no. 
You just think differently now. You are a different person now. Take opportunities. Are you listening to me? Take opportunities. Do you know? You know, I, I saw a video on Instagram yesterday and it's something I believe. I've, I've been thinking about it for a long time. So I was glad to hear someone talk about it. He said, the guy on TikTok said, when he was young, he used to come home with bad grades. Every single time. But whenever he comes with bad grades, his mommy will tell him, don't worry, I know you are intelligent. I know you are a smart child. He will go, come back with bad results. His mommy will say, I know you are a smart child. I know you are a smart child. I know you are a smart child. And after a while, it became his identity. He started treating himself like a smart... Do you get what I'm saying? He started approaching things as an intelligent person and for some reason, it's just stuck with him. So he approached things not from a place of I can never understand it. Are you with me? He approached it knowing I'm intelligent, I can grasp it, I just have to try. And that was how it stuck. So what is that lie the devil has been telling you for so long? You have to change it. Are you with me? You have to change it. You have to change that lie the devil is using to keep you small. You have to change it. You know, at some point in my life, I was I, I had some of the best results growing up. I remember being in kindergarten. I probably have never told you this story before. Being in kindergarten down to nursery school and primary school, even down to I think about primary four. You know, I was always stopping my class. And then at a particular stage, you know, people started to advise my parents, you know, that if they leave me like this, I'll become a local champion. My teacher started calling my parents that before they say anything, I'm already saying it. You know, all those I don't know kind of children. That was me. All right, before they, they are just writing on the board, I'm already saying what it was, you know, and that was me as a child. So, you know, my music teacher, different teachers, math teacher, they called my parents and said, you know what, this guy needs to leave this class unless, you know, he'll become a local champion. So the schools at the time said they don't give double promotion. So my daddy upped me from there you know, and took me to another school. When I got there, I, boom, hey, competition, third. You know, I went to a different school, but a higher, you know, class, all right? I think I, I moved to primary four immediately. I started preparing for, you know, common entrance and stuff. So I started coming third. I tried, 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 nothing, you know, I was coming third, you know, consistently. And there was this very smart girl. I used to think it was witchcraft. That girl was this girl first. <laughs> all right, but, you know, I was always coming third. And stuff. Then I went to secondary school and then I hit to like sixth. I'm like, oh my god, what is going on? <laughs> you know, I'm used to being extremely smart. Then I went to King's College. Oh my god. And I wasn't focusing on academics because the bullying in itself was my life. Escaping bullying and living alone without my parents of my life. So I had terrible grades. From SS1 till about SS3, I had really terrible grades. I'm one, you know, I was about to go into the university and I looked at myself, I'm like, this is not me. Do you understand? Like, I know what I, what I can do. I know I didn't concentrate in class in this King's College because there were all sorts of things that were taking our attention. And so I got into Babcock and I said in my heart, I told myself, I said, you are smart. You are not just focusing in school. In this one, you would focus. I mean, and all of a sudden, you know, my results started to come out and I saw it. So listen, it's possible that you can keep yourself small in your thinking. That's what I'm trying to teach you. You can keep yourself small in your thinking. So what is that lie that the devil is telling you? And so you see Joseph here. He's not letting the past define him. He's going on. And even after that, the Bible tells us 
that it happened about this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work. None of the men were inside his house and she caught him by his garment and said, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and ran outside. So it was that when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and fled outside, she called the men and spoke to them saying, see, he has brought into us a Hebrew to mock us. He came in to lie with me and I cried with a loud voice. And it happened that I lifted my voice and, and cried. He left his garment. So she lied against him. And so he ran away. Alright. Now we know what happened after here. He was sent to prison. So listen. God has said that they are going to bow to you. But the first encounter <laughs> in fulfillment of what God is saying is first they put you in well. Second, they sold you to slavery. Now you became a good guy. And then you enter prison again. Everything is going in contradiction. Are you with me? Maybe you've learned about Kairos and you've been waiting for it. But everything seems to be going in contradiction. God has said next year, you know, through your hands, I'm going to save many people. Your ministry is going to, you know, you're going to find expression in ministry next year. You know, you're going to grow in grace. You're going to get this job next year. But at the beginning of the year, everything keeps turning upside down. How do you handle it? What do you do? Look again. Joseph is in prison in Genesis 39, 22. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison. So can I tell you something? Before Joseph became a manager, he was already managing. Are you listening? This is, this is the preparation. What are you doing with what is in your hand is the question. He was never idle. Are you learning something? He was never idle. Some of you are not learning anything. <laughs> I'm kidding. He was never idle. He was doing something. So if you wanted to check Joseph's resume to give him the job as the prime minister, you will say, managed resources in Potiphar's house. Managed. You see, I collaborated to manage the prisoners of whom I was a part of them. There was track record of management. There was track record of management. Is that not how this build CV? Some of you don't know. Partnered with the prison guard to ensure that 20% effectiveness <laughs> happened in the prison. All right. So he was managing. And this is important. You saw him responsible. The keeper, the keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. Go to Genesis 40, verse 5. Listen. Some of you, you must begin to now think about it. You are waiting for God, but what are you doing now? What are you doing now is the question you must begin to ask yourself. I know. It's a table that has been balancing for a while, but let it break now and take the instruction. What are you doing now? Oh Lord, I ask for the nations. Are you preparing for the nations? Even the two that we say you should do in Catalyst, what have you done with them? Oh Lord, don't hide your face. Show your face. <laughs> oh Lord, I ask for the nation. What are you doing? Are you listening to me? And this is important. In Genesis 40 verse 5, the Bible says, well, Then the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were confined in the prison, had a dream. Both of them, each man's dream in one night and each man's dream with his own interpretation. Because of time, you can read this. But what happened is this. He started to interpret dreams from the prison. 
And so when his Kairos moment came and the king had a dream, it was because he was already doing something when it was not the Kairos moment. He was doing something in Kronos that led him to Kairos. Uh, do you know what I'm saying? He was doing something in Kronos that led him to Kairos. Are you understanding what I'm saying? So Joseph now is before, is before, you know, Pharaoh interpreting dreams, not because of anything, but you must also see that he had the track record. He has started doing it in prison. So while waiting for God's prophetic timing, he was still doing what God would have him do. He was preparing. He was preparing. He was preparing. He was preparing. God told you, you will teach people. Are you already preparing now? What are you doing with what is in your hands? 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 12. The Bible says, So he sent and brought him in. And now he was ruddy with bright eyes, talking about David, and good looking. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David. And from that day forward, so Samuel arose and went to Ramah. Listen, David was anointed to be king in 1 Samuel 16, but did not become king until 2 Samuel 5. He was anointed king at about the age of 17 and only sat on the throne at about 30 years. I listen to what I'm saying. So that's almost how many years of waiting. But in that space of time, in that space of time, he was not idle. He was not idle. He was not idle. In 1 Samuel 16, 14, you begin to learn how that he went before Saul and he played the harp. Do you see? His skill already took him to the, to, to, to the palace. He played the harp. After that, so he had a skill that took him to the palace. He wouldn't have been able to enter the palace because it wasn't his time. But even though he was anointed, yet he went, he played the, the harp. Not just musical skill. The musical skill gave him audience before Saul. Later on, his experience fighting a bear and a lion allowed Saul give him the opportunity to fight Goliath. I get what I'm saying. All of these things were leading to a point. All of these things were leading to a point. Many times the things we do in our everyday lives are the things that will prepare us for opportune seasons. They are the things that will prepare us for those seasons. Many of us want us to get what God has for us by Kairos. But let me tell you something. If you get anything by Kairos, you must learn to sustain it in Kronos. I learn what I'm, I learn what I'm saying. You must learn to sustain it by Kronos. You can get certain things by grace, but hard work is what to keep you in it. Are you with me? If grace takes you to a position of authority and power, hard work is what is going to keep you there. Hard work is what is going to keep you there. Competence is what is going to keep you there. So yes, it was an opportune season for David to kill Goliath, but the Bible tells us that people like David could throw a sling at his bread. Do you know what his bread is? What is bread? We're talking about wheat. So they could hit a target that is as wide as a strand of hair. So he was talented with the sling. Actually, Goliath had no chance from the distance David was standing. Do you know? Goliath had no chance. 
If it was based on power, Goliath had the chance. But from the distance David was standing, Goliath had no chance. That sling and this special type of rock that they put in it, I heard that one sling, you know, I studied it, scientifically it was proven that it goes at, I think, seven oscillations per second and has the impact of a 15mm pistol. So, he was not just sitting idle, someone that killed lion and bear. Goliath is, when he comes to strength, might be bigger, but at that distance, do you understand what I'm saying? At that distance, he had every advantage because he was competent. Because he was competent. Are you getting what I'm saying? If you have an opportunity that gives you a job that you don't deserve because of grace, be hardworking. So begin to prepare now so that you can keep that thing in that day. So that you can keep it in that day. You have to be ready to be able to sustain it unless it might crumble. If you meet the CEO of Apple today and he tells you, you know what? We're going to put you in charge of one of our branches in Nigeria. If you don't do hard work, you will not be able to sustain that branch and it will crumble. I get what I'm saying. Grace might provide you the opportunity, but competence and hard work is how you will keep it. So hone those skills. Get better at singing. Get better at teaching. Get better at preaching the word. Get better. If it's boldness, that is your problem. Begin to attempt to talk to people today. If your problem is Bible study, start studying Bible today. Start reading books. Start reading books. Some of you don't read at all. You don't read at all. The last book some of you read is Queen's Premier. <laughs> you don't read. Maybe Bible. Some of you Bible, so it's not a book. It's a divine book, but yes. Maybe Bible. You don't read. You have a wealth of resources. You don't do anything with it. YouTube is there. The only thing you go and look for are the things that don't concern you. And that same place has a wealth of resources for your growth. To learn. To know what to do. To know how to handle tough situations. How to answer tough questions. Begin to build yourself now. So as you are raising up your hand and saying, Lord, everything you have for me in payment, I'm ready to receive. The same way, begin to do the hard work for when it comes. Begin to prepare yourself. And I tell you something. It's good though to covet graces. It's good to covet to come and teach where I'm teaching. But you must be ready for the sacrifice that follows. I get what I'm saying. You must begin to prepare your mind and your heart, both in prayer and in the study of God's word. So don't just covet the graces. Think about the come the hard work that would follow it. Prepare yourself for it. You know, see me announce this on morning prayer this morning. I don't be feeling fine for five. I, I think about five, four days. If you know the, <laughs> you see, I laugh. That's laughter. You don't know. That's the laughter. I could not even write my sermon notes. My head was just banging. There was just nothing I could do. And I had exam pre Today I had two demo presentations. We pray for grace, yes. But you must also pray that you can do the hard work and begin to prepare yourself. Let me tell you something you probably did not know. There might be a, in quotes, 
teaching grace. I, I don't know the dynamics of how a teaching grace comes, all right, but I know I can receive it. I might not be able to tell you, you know, the, the theological side of it, but I tell you that graces can be communicated and graces can be sharpened in your life. Are you with me? Just by a touch, just by a prayer, and I've seen it happen in my life, all right? But even though that grace came, it took hard work to bring me here. Do you understand what I'm saying? It took hard work, hard work to bring me here. To be able to teach this way, emphasize something. Some of you don't know that there is work in what I emphasize. Some of you don't know that I raise my voice and repeat some things in your ear so that it sticks. Are you with me? Some of you don't know that I say something softly. I didn't used to talk like this when I said, listen. I never used to talk like that before. Every listen, every stop it, every shout. I'm emphasizing something so it sticks in your ear. Every time I tell you, read something back to me, say something to me, I want it to stick. So there's hard work in what I'm doing as well. The grace is there, but the hard work is there as well. To know what to present to you at what time. Are you getting what I'm saying? To know what to, what to teach you at what time. To know how to prepare the note for easy understanding. So there's a diligence that must come with this. There's a competence we must build. Don't go and embarrass yourself. Someone sees you on the road and says, you know what, I want to give you a slot for the experience. You now go there and embarrass yourself and us. No. Be preparing now before experience. He said, Lord, put me on stages, on platforms. For your namesake, good. <laughs> but practice for your namesake too. <laughs> you understand? <laughs> and God's name too, practice. <laughs> Learn. Start rehearsing. Do vocal warm-up. Stop drinking cold water. So, you understand? <laughs> Stop eating those things that we do your voice. Me, I can do it because I have to rock But you, calm down. Do some things. Go and go for vocal warm-up. Get a vocal coach. You understand what I'm saying? Get a... Don't you say... The people do not say... You know, say, ah, how was the singing? If they say it was not good, you start fighting with it. But say, it was not good. On your graces, do better. There are some people, you want to sing. We cannot hear what you are saying. Hey, well, you are running everywhere, running anywhere. There's discipline in music. There's discipline. So, go and learn those things. Associate yourself with people that are doing the things you want to do. Start learning. So that when the opportunity comes, we say, ah, um, John Ken, we want you to lead, you know, song for us in camp. You know, the mic, and we know hear what you are saying. Practice prophecy. So that the day I say, oh, prophesy for us here. You will not come and be telling us, God said, peace, love. Give us prophecy. I, I get what I'm saying. Give us prophecy. You have to get better at these things. Get better. Get better. You know, you say, all I can say is just peace. We, we know the peace is here because Jesus is here. Give us word. Truth, truth, prophecy. Give us prophecy. Tell us what we don't know. Own those graces. So you know, go outside. You want to evangelize. You cannot give someone word. Own those graces. Get better. Study the Bible. So that when someone asks you that is there one saved forever saved, you can balance the teaching and explain. If someone asks you about election in Christ, you can balance it. 
People will come to you and teach you that God is sovereign. They will ask you about it. Is God sovereign? Where does free will meet the sovereignty of God? Are we just pieces in, in the puzzle? The Bible teaches about the election. Can you explain it? How about, how about licentiousness that, that we continue in sin while grace abounds? How is it that I'm saved and yet I'm still seeing my body lead me to do, you know, the things I don't want to do? Can you explain it to the person theologically? Why? A person says, what's your proof that there's heaven? I want to believe your faith. Prove to me. Can you answer? Listen, some of you from today, you need to start picking certain topics and be teaching yourself in the mirror. Be teaching yourself in the mirror. You stand and say, glory to God, hallelujah. This morning, I just want to explain to you very quickly on evangelism. All right. And you, you just start with a text. Start learning how to build those things. Start learning how to explain certain things to people. The certain topics you must be able to grasp properly. Explain to me substitutionary atonement. What is penal substitution? Explain what is soteriology. Explain the concept of salvation in its entirety to me. How about the Holy Spirit? Tell me about the Trinity. How is God one and three? Don't go and now be saying just like solid, liquid, and gas. You are wrong. God is not like solid, liquid, and gas. Neither is it like egg, yolk, white, and shell. It's a lie. There is almost no earthly analogy you want to use. That You say God is like soul, spirit, and body. You are wrong. Explain to me the concept of baptism. You must be able to explain. You must be able to give a response. The Bible says, you know, that you are able to contend for the faith which was once delivered unto you. Jude says, I thought it normal to write to you about our common, common salvation, but I decided that it's important that I write to you to contend. But what is a pagonizomai? That you can have a proper discourse and arguments with people that want to speak about your faith. That someone comes to meet you and say that how is Jesus, God, and also the Son of God. You can give them answers. You can give them answers. Are you getting what I'm saying? Explain to me what happens when a person dies. How, is, how, how are we going to be with Christ? It's a very important thing you must at least be able to answer. Explain to me why I must come to church. You know, um, ecclesiology. Why must I belong to a local church? Why do you want me to come to your fellowship? Why can't I continue to just serve God in my house, in personal relationship? Explain to me why I need a pastor, why I need discipleship. Be able to answer those questions. Explain to me why the gifts of the Spirit have not stopped in this day. I'm a cessationist. Explain to me why the gifts of God have not ceased. Why do you speak in tongues? Can you by yourself meet somebody and teach the person and get the person filled by the Spirit? This is what not every single one of us must be able to do. This must be common. To activate in the person a gift. Teach the person something. While we are supposed to be learning this, then the argument we are having is why must I come to fellowship every time? You are not, you are not serious. That's the truth. There's work to be done. There are souls to be saved. You can't keep telling God, give me the nations and you are not ready to handle it. So build competence. I want to talk about some other things, you know, instruct you on some other things as well. God wants to make a name for himself in your life, but you must do something about it. 
Be excellent in every part of your life. Don't say, oh, I'm called to ministry now. You cannot honor your parents. Grow in those things. I'm called to ministry. You are not good at any handwork. I get what I'm saying. If we are going to give souls to you, let's see a track record of success in something. So you are angry that that girl did not accept. She probably checked your life. What have you been successful at? How is she sure you'll be successful in relationship? Listen, I'm not insulting you, but it's the truth. When people come to me, we check it. I tell them, check the patterns in his life. Has he picked one thing and done it well? So maybe as I'm talking to you, this is a weakness. Go and pick that Udemy course and finish it. You wanted to learn data science since last year. Three years ago, you started the course. You have not finished it till now. Go and finish it. Be successful. At, show us the certificate. You say, sir, people don't used to favor me in church. Why? Listen. Listen. If you show us, we can say, okay, you've tried. Have you seen people who are, who are very entitled? Why are people not helping me? Go and finish what you are supposed to finish. Let's see a track record of you searching for a job with your hand. Write your CV. We say write CV. You wrote, I worked in this in paper and bio. You say that's your CV. You better go and learn how to write CV. Or you text me where you've worked. Listen, people won't take you serious that way. Show us something that you've done. Pick up something. You want to learn a skill. Learn that skill and be successful in it. That guitar is gathering dust in your house. God has shown you vision. You will play guitar since, since you were a baby. Dust, 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 dust. You don't even attempt to learn it. You don't even know how to play C. So, listen, laugh, but take the lesson. Take the lesson. God might be calling you to pastor a church someday. Have a track record of success. Can I tell you something? I recently got a job. Some of you don't know. I love I want to open up some things to you. And this will change your life. When I got here, there wasn't any job in this city. Because I'm in a small localized place. So there are not many jobs apart from industry jobs. How many of you actually know that I, I've worked McDonald's job for almost seven months now. Listen, it doesn't matter how demeaning it is. I did not leave myself idle. Do you know what it takes to work McDonald's job? I've mopped and swept that building Friday midnight for almost how I many? Listen, it's so bad that I had somebody who was being racist to me and treating me bad. I shouldn't take it. I'm telling you, there are some things I shouldn't take. I've cleaned toilets there. And I can decide not to do the job. But listen, I don't know how to be idle. And now come and be claiming victim. You know. Mm -mm. I have rent to pay. I have school loans to pay. I'm not going to say because it's that type of job I won't do it. Mm -mm. I will start there. Better opportunities will come. Even if God wants to create opportunities from future, in, for me in the future, they will ask, what Canadian experience do you have? I will say McDonald's. I will say I've worked in a fast... I will never say it like that. I will say I've worked in a fast-paced environment where I had to have... Listen, I will put English on it. Because it is a fast-paced environment. You don't have to know where I worked. I, I worked in a fast-paced environment. I had to manage others. I had times when I was talking to somebody and they are like, I can't hear you because of the accent. So I started to form the accents too. 
So I will go home. I snap the thing like this. I will go home. So, you know, some of you have already speaking before. I say, for here to go, you know, ah, we, we, I must succeed, succeed though. You cannot sack me in this place. <laughs> you cannot sack me. This is the only job I have. So I will go and I listen to the inton intonation. You have to have that kind of, listen, I'm teaching you excellence in God. I'm my, I, I'm the son of my father. I have to be excellent at it. You say, for here to go? I'll do anything. They say, play with the child. I'll play with the child. I'll do everything I can do. I get what I'm saying. So I started to get better. It was hard at the beginning. I couldn't do it anymore. But I continued. I was doing that. So recently, I was telling someone how hectic the job was. Listen, this was randomly. I'm telling you. Randomly. I was just somewhere. Someone asked me about my job. I was working on a project. And she was like, where do I see me doing? I said, it's tough. She's like, do you know what? Take this email now. Send this to the woman and say you are from Folashade. I'm telling you on the spot. I wrote it there. I said, good evening. I want to apply for this, 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 this. I'm from this so, 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 so lady. I've worked. Now, listen, when I was in Nigeria, I worked on something called Create. Some of you know that platform that helped, you know, people you know, with, with getting the right type of information about jobs outside of school. That was the track record that gave me that job. On the spot, the lady texted me and said, you know what, come for our meeting tomorrow. People have been searching for on-campus jobs since I got here and I've not found. Some people are in their final semester and I've not found. I just sat down talking to somebody. Listen, there was Kairos there because I spoke about my job at the time where, you know, someone who could give me an opportunity was. But not just that. She looked at me and she said, do you know what? I've seen you speak. I've seen you do presentation. I think you'll thrive at this job. And then she said, do you have any track record of planning events and, and you know, organizing things? I said, yes. I opened my Instagram. I showed her create. That's the track record. She said, this is beautiful. Just send it. I got the job. Listen, they're going to pay me five hours every week and I'm going to only work for one hour. We only have one hour meeting. So I can actually do other jobs at the same time. Listen, this, this is where you understand the importance of chronos. The hard work is important. Some people might have seen such an opportunity, you know, to work in that place. And you know, I cannot, I cannot. This is, mm -mm. There were times when I was forced, I thought I was going to quit. But mm -mm. no. If you don't know what I'm talking about, try juggling, walking, ministry, and schooling. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Don't be entitled. Start to learn a trade. Finish what is in your hand. You've been learning, you've been learning HTML and CSS for so long, but you never finish. Go and finish. You want to transition into this thing. Some of you, listen, listen to the voice of reason. Finish that degree before you quit that job. Finish that course before you quit that job. Unless God expressly tells you to quit. Fin just finish learning that new skill. You want to transition, transition. You want to transition to, to code. Go and research about it. I've heard someone say you want to transition to this thing from business. And I say, what are you learning? HTML and CSS and you quit your job. You better, nobody will employ you on only HTML and CSS. You're probably going to have to learn JavaScript or something that is just a bit advanced so that you can begin to, unless it's an internship. You have to begin to think of those things. Track record. In managing those things, God can now incare, you know, put in your hand, souls. Do you see what I'm saying? 
Because you have a track record of handling things. Like Joseph, you've managed stuff. We've seen you successful at it. Some of you, the only thing we've given you to handle in this place, you know, you have not done it. They say, ah, we are putting you in a group or you should be praying. You cannot even handle that. You say, oh Lord, I ask for the nation. They better grow. Grow. Some of you are asking for service. But you are not serving in Catalyst, in your local community. We don't see your effort. This is where you get trained in service. Are you listening to me? This is where you get trained. This is where you get trained. Begin to learn how to serve. Begin to learn how to serve. I said something in the Wisdom series. I said success happens when preparation meets opportunity. And that's important. That's important. Do well in that degree. I know you are doing ministry, but finish school at least. You get what I'm saying? Do well. Be excellent at it. The many mistakes that many people have made including men of God, is that when grace brings you somewhere, you have to continue to pray and edify yourself so you don't live a life of contradiction. Grace can take you to a place, but competence and consistency is what will keep you there. You've only been coming for fellowship for three months. You gave word how many times? Four times. You are giving people word. Then you say you want to leave the fellowship. You don't... Consistency in God is important. There's always more in God. Have you not asked why people like Baba Adeboye would kneel down? It, probably maybe even Jesus, you'd have expected that he would not pray. But Jesus had a life of prayer. Had a life of prayer. The Apostle Paul was a tent maker. Was a tent maker. So hard work is important. Competence is important. Build competence. As you go in this new year, and you expect Kairos. Don't forget Kronos. Don't forget Kronos. Be better at Bible study. Read books. Do well all round. Find that balance. Find that balance. If God is going to trust you with souls, let's see you succeed in other things. Like I said, train yourself. Enroll yourself. Take that course. Be better. Be better. Don't use ministry as an excuse. See things through. Learn to see things through. Don't use your past as an excuse. Learn to see things through. Are you with me? I want to be a kingdom financier, in quotes. I rarely use that term because I don't totally know what it means. But you want to be a kingdom financier. You, <laughs> you are not striving to be the best in your field. You are not striving to at least be capable enough so they can start paying you. That's not how you become one. Are you with me? Let's see a track record of success. From discipling two people, God can see that you are ready for 10. From discipling 10, God can see that you are ready for 100. Are you getting what I'm saying? From discipling 100, God can see that you are ready for bigger stages, for those crusade meetings you've been dreaming about. And this is important. Build competence. We started the Catholic community as 10 people or 12 people. Successfully did that. 
And God said, 10 times that. Imagine I wasn't consistent in the little. That built in me a toughness for now. Don't I always show up? I do. I do. You know that if there's a reason why I'm not here, it has to be extreme situations. Maybe my life is almost going Even this teaching, I already told her this day she was probably going to take it. But we show up. So if the only thing that you can succeed at is only showing up, start there. Did you hear what I said? Start there. Let's be able to count on you. Let God be able to count on you. That I trust she, she would always pray so she can hear my voice. I trust Emmanuel. He's always going, going to come for those meetings and be, get trained for the work of ministry. I trust Salome. There are some people, there are some things we can say about you. There are some people we can't say it about you. You know that thing? That if you're about to die and they say you have one last call, there are some people you will never call. Like now, if they say you have one lifeline and they say text somebody, you cannot text me. You know that I might not see it. But if they say call, <laughs> I know, I know, you won't start talking. I better keep your mouth shut. I don't say anything. If they say text somebody, if the person responds, you, you leave. Don't text me. <laughs> I might not respond immediately. It might be later. But let God be able to count on you that if I'm going to give someone an assignment, I trust Salome. Can I say that about you in this, in this community? Say I'm not going to come for fellowship today. Maybe something happened and I say, oh, I want somebody to make sure things are all right. Let it be that your name will pop up in my head. So if the only thing you want to do is begin to learn to show up, control your devotion, come for morning prayers, grow, build yourself up, start with that. Stop giving excuses every time. Can I tell you something as I round up? The last thing I'll probably say. There might never be a comfortable and convenient time for you to serve God. So if you are waiting for a convenient time to begin to be consistent, you might never find it. Because as you grow up, you probably might get busier. You say, maybe when I get married, okay? But you are working so hard to keep the clock to maintain the house. Then a child comes. That's full-time job. Then after the first one, they said, we cannot continue in the rat race of life. Listen, what I'm trying to help you do is come out of the system that the world has built to keep you in a rat race. You know that feeling? You were small. What you were waiting for was, oh, I can't wait to start going to school. Then you start going to school. I can't wait to write common entrance and go to secondary school. Then you go to secondary school. I can't wait to go to university. Then you go to university. I can't wait to get married. Then you get married. I can't wait to have kids. Then you have kids. I can't wait to... Death. There's more to life than that. Don't you think... Don't you... Don't you get tired at that cycle? I'm scared of ever getting trapped in that cycle. I'm not going to. By the power of God, my life will count for something. Impact. Impact, Malabarwa Katapai. Impact. Not a cycle that, you know, you work 20 years for an employer, you have nothing to show for it. My life will not be in that cycle. Never. Money will not be what drives me. 
There are people who have worked 40 years of their life and when it's time to enjoy the money, they die. What is the, what is the essence of it? To gain everything and lose your soul. I'll be effective in what counts. Be effective in what counts. There's more. There's more. I'm not going to get trapped in that. There is more. It's going to give us some time to pray. There is more. Father, I'm going to be effective in what counts. I'm going to work my way. Be, be effective. Be consecrated to your will, Lord Jesus. I'm going to be. I'm going to be. Do everything to prepare for what you've called me to do. Read those books. See those things through. See those assignments through. Serve. Be prepared for bigger platforms. I'm going to take out that time. I'm going to find a balance between what I'm doing in work and ministry. I'm going to study more. I'm going to pray more. I'm going to find deeper in you. Every form of idleness, every form of victim mentality, entitlement is broken now. I'm effective. Matolu atabai ngande rokoto. I prepare myself. Mandoruada kapai. I walk in Kronos as I expect Kairos. I walk in Kronos as I expect Kairos. I walk in Kronos as I expect Kairos. Matoruada bakai. Elede bulwa teke mandoruti I experience actual spiritual growth. Mando Rudebe. I'm consistent. I always show up. Mando Rude Villa Kabai. I prioritize what needs to be prioritized. Mendo Rabata 
Ibarute kepai, zota bakwa tepo rute pa, lebete katoto katopoto, zota teka teka topo, robato katopolo tokopo, nande bete rute veluaka bataya. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. On the Catalyst community, we want to raise a people who are excellent in the things of the world, but also excellent in the things of God, who have found a balance of how to walk in this life and understand their priorities in God. A people who have learned to always show up because they know the importance. A people who have broken away from the cycle and the patterns of this world and are walking in the spirit perpetually. And so our mission is to enlist men Disciple them in sound doctrine by the accurate teaching of God's word and the ministry of the Spirit till they become complete and full in Christ. Our vision is to see all men saved and perpetually victorious in their work with God. No more on and off. That you lead a life of the, in the Spirit. You walk a walk with God. And that as you are enlisted, you become deployed as well to nations all over the world. And that's my prayer for you this morning, this evening rather. That your life will count in what matters. That you will see a track record. Listen, I, I want to pray for some of you that have had patterns of evil in your life. Patterns of not completing things. As everyone under the sound of my voice. You've seen a pattern of not seeing things true. In the mighty name of Jesus, such patterns break now. In the mighty name of Jesus. Such patterns break in the mighty name of Jesus. You begin to see a track record of success in your life. From today, I pray between now and when that opportune Kairos time in God comes, you will not be found idle. You will not be giving to the lie of the devil. You will be prepared for all God has asked you to do. You will find yourself diligent. You will find yourself competent. In the mighty name of Jesus. When it is time to stand before kings. Both grace and hard work will stand for you. In the mighty name of Jesus. By the wisdom of God. You know when to present grace. And you know when to present hard work. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you spirit of God. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. Glory to Jesus. Listen, I want you to learn what I'm teaching you. I want you to begin to take preparation seriously. Because there will be seasons in God, but start now. Don't let this just pass. Write it down. Have a to-do list. I want to read this number of books next year. I want to even start now. I want to be able to start writing it down. Start writing. I want to get better in this skill. You do spoken words. I want to get better. I want to take this course. Write it out as you write prophecies. As you do it, begin to tick the box. Begin to prepare for those Kairos moments. In your career, do those things you need to do. In your academics, do those things you need to do. 
Can I tell you something? I'm by the Spirit, I'm saying this. There would be a time where God will need many of you to fund some of the ideas he's going to be giving to the Catalyst community. It will be as a result of your diligence in your sphere of influence. It will be as a result of your diligence in your career that we would not lack finance. Are you with me? It will be as a result. It will be as a result of those courses you finish, those jobs you are going to get. Because those times are coming. I get what I'm saying. Those seasons are coming for bigger things in God. For bigger things in God. And at the same time, God is going to put bigger requirements and responsibilities in your hands. So, prophetically, I want to tell you, the one thing that started this ministry, where people started to run to me as a beacon for their growth, it begins to happen in your life. From next year, Labaruatikabai. And you don't just have them come to you. You are capable enough to help them grow. The graces you need for their spiritual growth is found in you. The diligence you need is found in you. As you begin to study the word, listen to sermons more, read more books, train yourself. When it's time, you will not be found helpless and wanting. And God is going to make a name for himself. And the prophecy of the dynamic spread is genuinely and truly going to be fulfilled in you. So get ready for more disciples next year. Get ready for more disciples next year. Get ready for more disciples next year. I see graces that you've seen subjected in some way. I see them rising back out. I see some of you, you used to write certain books. Take that course on how to write. I see somebody, you have to take Pastor Lajo's course on writing when next is time. That course on how to write a book that she does. I'm seeing somebody and the Lord is asking me to tell you, you write. And the Lord is asking me to tell you, you know that your work is not yet where it needs to be. Take that course. Take that writing course. Take that writing course. Learn more how to be diligent. Learn better how to write. Because there will be times when God will ask you to write certain things. Some of you will be books. Some of you to be certain write-ups. Some of you will be a blog post. Some of you to be whatever. that your, The ink, that the, the pen that you have will begin to say things that God wants people to hear. And there will be innovative ideas also. There will be innovative ideas. And it has started in some of you. It has started in some of you using different platforms for the expressions of the Spirit. And in the mighty name of Jesus, there is competence for you. As you do better in the speech, buying the tools and equipment you, you need for those things, you get better in the mighty name of Jesus. Some of you, there will be leadings to create group chats of the people you are teaching. Begin to prepare. Begin to prepare. Begin to prepare. Begin to create your schedule in such a way that it fits the plans of God for you next year. That's what the Lord is telling me. There are some things you have to drop in your schedules that would sort of create time for what you want to do with your disciples. So begin to prepare for it. Begin to write out the topics you want to teach them. 
Hallelujah. Some of you, there are some things you need to get. Begin to invest towards it. You want to get a microphone. You want to get lights. Begin to be more excellent at what God has asked you to do. You do TikTok. You do all those things. And you talk about Jesus. Buy your equipment. Be excellent at it. Stop imposter syndrome. Are you with me? If God has asked you to do it, do it. Some of you, you go out on Saturdays. Invest. Ask us. We'll give you the tracts we use. Invest in it. Print the tracts. Are you with me? Print the tracts and share it. Are you with me? Print the tracts. Talk to people. Give it to them. Invest in those things. Invest in those things. Thank you, Holy Spirit. There's a lot of instruction in my heart. So I'm just going to say two more. Some of you, there's certain things you need to prepare for about defend, defending the faith because you are in an environment that is contradictory to your faith. So begin to study more about it. Begin to study more. Some of you, it's simply soteriology, just how to present the gospel. You need to get better at it. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. Thank you for the words of prophecy. Thank you for the teaching today. And thank you because we don't just forget this, but we walk remembering this. In Jesus' mighty name.